So, all right. Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of Workflow Wednesday. Um, we're super excited to have uh, Ant Pruitt on the show today. Uh, he's over there. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, and uh, we're also joined by uh, my boss, our marketing manager here at Puget Systems, uh, Eric Brown. And um, yeah, so welcome. Thank you. Thank you for taking time out to, to join us today, Ant. I, I really appreciate it. Uh, oh, man. Thank you all for having me. This is going to be a lot of fun, especially with the way you couldn't figure out where I was on the screen. <laughs> yeah. It, it, well, cause, so, um, Zoom yeah, is like that, right? <laughs> I'm, I think I'm mirrored in compared to like where I see. Yeah, it's all big stuff. <laughs> oh, I just give, I'm giving you a hard time because I've been doing this for a couple of months and I know the pain and frustration. Totally cool, uh, so right on. <laughs> Um, so to start, um, we'll just do like kind of the basic, uh, intro and everybody introduce yourself just in case anybody doesn't already know, uh, you know, who you are, what you do, and, uh, and then we'll go from there. All right. Well, um, I'm Ant Pruitt. I am a podcast host at Twit TV and I'm also a photographer. Uh, my podcast, I host two shows actually. One is hands-on photography and the other one is hands-on wellness, uh, because, and the, 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 my, my bosses thought it'd be a good idea to not only do a photography-based show, but also do some sort of wellness and fitness show, because, and they thought I would be a good fit for it. I hope I prove them right on that, but <laughs> but I do have a lot of fun doing that show, especially doing my hands-on photography. Yeah. Former IT guy, but finally was able to cut loose all of my IT support ties and jump right into doing content creation full-time i'm totally totally honored and blessed to be able to do this yeah that's cool <laughs> yeah how did, that, uh, how did that transition happen going from, from yeah from it to content creation well it was it, it, it was blended for many years uh, i've been wanting to make this leap for about a decade now but you know at the time it, it, it was hard to try to get bills paid and i knew that the IT stuff was going to pay the bills and make sure everybody is fed and nobody's pissed off at me because they couldn't get their uh, PlayStation games or Xbox games and things like that. So I just did it all on the side as like a little hustle. You know, I started doing photography and started doing videos for people um, back, back on the East Coast, just little small promotional things. And it just sort of continued to grow over time. And make some connections along the way and it's been a lot of fun that's cool <laughs> yeah that's really cool I, I love to be able to see like scenarios like that where, where people are able to uh pursue their passion i guess and i had fun doing it um the pursuit but i also had a lot of support with it you know my family supported me you know i remember trying to finish up college and stuff like that online and the family was totally fine with it and uh, i can remember holding my now 15 year old son in my arms while I was trying to write a paper at night and you know or trying to go out with the camera and take them with me because I'm trying to practice getting better at this and then my last IT job a company that I worked for I was doing tier two tier three level support a lot of stuff on the back end dealing with um good old informants databases and AIX and SQL and all that good stuff. But they knew I was a content creator and my superiors, all four of them, they, they didn't care. They was like, Hey, you do you, man. We know that you 
you when you clock in you're going to get your work your work done and um when you clock out of here you're going to put your passion over there trying to create content and they they supported it i mean oh, from the from the very get-go you know and i worked from home for most of my professional career so a lot of people don't necessarily have that advantage and when i worked at home it, it allowed me to be able to just literally disconnect from the database and jump right into Premiere or jump right into Lightroom, you know, at a snap and not necessarily awesome. lose any time in my day. So you were just awesome. trained and ready for coronavirus then? <laughs> oh my gosh, you know, and that's what's crazy. This whole work from home thing, you know, when I started at Twit, I was going to the studio uh, probably 20 hours a week, if that, you know, because I didn't, I didn't need to be in an office. You know, I showed up when it was time to shoot the show. That was it. Mm -hmm. You know, I did all of my, my prep here in my home office, my home studio, because that's what I was used to doing. And Twit, uh, man, I love those folks. They're so supportive and they understand that people have a different workflow and a different way of doing things. And they just said, hey, when you're ready to shoot, be here to shoot. And when you want to work and do your prep, do it however you see fit. And they supported it. Neat. Um, actually, that kind of leads into a, a, a good segue. Is um, I, I was curious. You do you have the two podcasts? Um, mm -hmm. I think it's Thursdays and Fridays. Uh, mm -hmm. Correct. Um, and so, how does that how does that prep work um, work? I guess. Um, how do you set up the the week prior or like come up with topics and things like that? Um, I, this is personally and professionally. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> curious. Well, 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 first you give up. <laughs> Well, first, every Sunday evening, you start by pulling your hair out because oh. your work week is coming. That's that's the first step. But no, I, I, I sit down and I try to go through and think about the things that, uh, from the photography standpoint, I think about my journey and how I was learning on my own. I didn't necessarily get a lot of help and a lot of teachings, if you will. And so I try to go through everything that I went through to make it a particular topic because that's who my audience is. The hands-on photography show is not for the pros. It's not, and I am very open about that. Uh, I want my show to be for the people that are just getting started out or for the yeah. people that are just trying to fine tune some of the things that they already know. So I have a long list of things that, that I know I dealt with over the last 10 years that are drawn out each and every week. All right, this week I'm gonna tackle um, long exposure or something like that, you know, and. And that will probably be a two-part show where I'm explaining it in the first show. And then in the next show, I'll do some actual examples of it, you know? So that's pretty much my thought process on it is, all right, what is it that people that are just getting started out want to know? And how can I digest it to where, well, not digest it, how can I regurgitate it where they can digest it pretty easily and not, you know, be so confused or feel like I'm talking over their heads because that's the kind of stuff that I battled. You know, yeah. people actually did take the time to teach me things about photography. They just sort of talked down to me. And what are you doing? You can't do that with a freaking phone. What is, yeah. what, is, what are you talking about? And I don't want to be that way. I found the, the, a couple of your very, very early um, hands-on photography episodes actually were very helpful for me. Um, I was trying to get better at taking pictures. Um, the teenager uh, in, in my family uh, is in basketball. And mm. I was trying to take better pictures of 
of the action, you know, without it getting too grainy. Or, mm-hmm. And then there was, uh, I think it's actually your second episode where you describe like the dip, there's like the triangle of Disposure ISO. Triangle, yep. <laughs> yeah. And that helped so much, even with just, even just with a cell phone, um, mm-hmm. but, it, but then applying that to a nice little point and shoot as well, it made a mm-hmm. world of difference. And I, I personally really appreciated that. Well, I, I like that beginning content and it was just, it was very easy to understand, very easy to digest. Oh, and it, it just made sense. I well, like that. First off, thank you for going back and checking that out. That means a lot. And secondly, God bless you, because, man, shooting basketball games, that's hard. That's hard for the pros, man. Yeah, it's still – I still notice a lot of um, some graininess and stuff. Um, yeah, because they but... don't put a lot of light in the basketball arena. They put it out on the floor. But, you know, you need a little bit more than what they put out there on the floor. Yeah. And that's that's on every level, even up at – at the, at the uh, NBA level, the arenas are they're not very well lit for photography and the pros, they, ooh, yeah. God it makes you. sense that they're kind of right <laughs> along the edges though too. So I imagine that's, now that you mentioned that, I imagine it's to t- try and take advantage of more of that, that mm-hmm. light there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's really cool. But yeah, I did this, I did focus on photography sort of like a, a master class. That's what I'm attempting to do with it. I wanted to start from the very beginning with the basics I, I believe my very first episode was this is a camera and compared it to a full frame versus an APS-C sensor because people see those terms when they're shopping and they don't know what they mean yeah you know and I wanted to break that down and just build on that and then the next episode okay now this camera's going to do this and this is how we do that and I wanted to make it for lack of a better term layering each and every week onto the previous week where you can just get a better cumulative sense about photography. I like it. And I think you've been doing a, a great job of, of building on that those basics and then building and building on to... Because like, I think recently I just noticed um, you're starting to kind of talk about the editing side of it too, mm-hmm. like layer yep. masks and, and things like that. And yep. uh, yeah, I think you've been doing a great job. Thank you. Now, <laughs> now with hands-on wellness, it's a little bit different for me with hands-on wellness. Mm-hmm. Um, I do a lot of research and try to figure out the things that people are going to be number one, interested in, and number two, what are they searching for uh, when people are looking for things regarding wellness? But I also want to make sure there's a tech angle because twit.tv is a tech network, a consumer technology network. So I want to make sure that I'm true to the network, whether I'm, when I'm talking about wellness and fitness. Um, And I, I remember the discussions between management and I, when we were trying to develop this show is it's like, look, y'all, I, I, I got to be careful and protect myself and protect the company because I'm not a certified trainer. Right. So I can't get out there and tell people to go do like I do, you know, a couple hundred pushups in a day and wow. it's and, and expect it to be uh, just a okay. Cause if somebody gets hurt, they're going to come <laughs> after me. And I'm like, dude, right. you, you're that's not me. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a, that's a good point. You know? So I try to, it's, it's a different approach with hands-on wellness. Um, versus hands-on photography but i still just want to make sure that i'm true to the twit brand on both of the shows because it like i said it's a consumer technology show and when i'm talking about photography i i talk more so about the fundamentals of photography but you will get discussions about lightroom you will get discussions about photoshop and things of that nature and then with hands-on wellness i'm going to talk about the gist of having a healthy heart you know, you, 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 you got to have decent blood pressure and 
understanding what a resting uh, heart rate is, but there's tech for that too. So I'll throw yeah. that in, you know? Yeah. Smart watches and, and the fitness yeah. and all that. Sure. Mm -hmm. Sure. That's cool. I, I, I just watched um, the meditation one because it's something I've started to kind of get, be, I've dabbled in in the past, but started kind of being more serious about with every Kudos. everything that's been going on. Um, Kudos to you, brother. Yeah, the anxiety and, and just like negative self-talk and all this kind of stuff. And um, it's it's really made a big difference. I, I think people kind of dismiss it. And, uh, and the thing is, Mr. Houston, that's something that you can do for absolutely zero dollars and yeah. just totally change your day within about five minutes yeah doesn't cost you anything and you probably have a smartphone most people on the planet does does have a smartphone so why not give it a try you know yeah. it doesn't cost you any money it just costs you five minutes of your time and i can almost guarantee that it will change your day just within five minutes you know yeah I agree. that's actually that's actually one of my favorite features of because uh, I have an Apple Watch and mm -hmm. like that's one of my favorite features of how like it tells you to like to like take a break and and take a step back and breathe. I mean, mm -hmm. don't get me wrong. Some days it annoys the hell out of me, uh, <laughs> but, but, there's, <laughs> but there's plenty of other times too where it's like you know what that's actually needed right now. Like just that, even if it's just thirty seconds, a minute, you know, like mm -hmm. that it's huge the impact that it can have on the rest of your day. You know, and. Uh... I try to reiterate to people, you know, that are in the working class out there doing the regular nine to five gig, if you will. Most of those places, when you do an application or the resume or whatever, after they get you on board, part of their onboarding, discuss when your lunch breaks are. Mm -hmm. And they also discuss in pretty much all of the states when your non-lunch breaks are, because there's a mandate to make sure you get X amount of hours or minutes of break time during your work shift. And there's a reason for that. It, it helps keep you fresh because if you have a fresh brain, you're probably gonna be able to do that job even better and make the company more money. Yeah. Duh. So take <laughs> advantage of that and not only be able to do your job better, but also take care of you too. You know, I, I, I have no problem saying I love me some me. So I'm going to take me some, I'm going to take me a couple of minutes out of the day to take care of Aunt Pruitt, you know, and just get that, find that center and be able to perform a little bit better throughout the day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm as guilty as anyone, but I would guess a vast majority of people do not take that time. Man, what used to get me was people, you know, I worked in, in, in the textile industry, you guys are probably too young to know anything about that. Uh, <laughs> the textile industry was working in plants and, and mills and things like that. Um, and you get the, the you get the little breaks. Most people called them smoke breaks because that's typically what they did is they went out to smoke a cigarette on those 15 minute breaks. Well, I don't smoke. So am I allowed to go take a break yeah you still are you don't have to smoke to take a break so i took that time to go and just take a walk somewhere or go do some push-ups or something or just go sit in the car and turn on music whatever it takes and i don't have that same nine to five job if you will now um, as a content creator but i still will go out here with with my dogs or whatever and go take a walk or just go sit back on the back porch or something for a couple of minutes and just have my air quotes smoke break yeah so there, there have been a couple of questions from the chat if you if you don't mind hello um, chat room 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> so one of them comes from Twitch from uh, Near Matrix. Um, if we have a DSLR and want to learn how to use it, uh, should we start with episode one of your show or is there another way? Started episode one. I highly recommend starting at episode one um, because I'm going to talk about, again, the basics and the fundamentals of the camera. I'm not going to necessarily talk about the Sony camera or the Nikon or the Canon. I'm just talking about the basics that all three of those manufacturers will share. Um, but episode one up until about episode four is a good place to start as far as just breaking down uh, um, what, it, what, what happens when you actually click the shutter on your camera or even on your phone, it's still the same fundamentals there. Now, granted, there's a lot of computational photography with phones. That's another story for another day. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, start with episode one because it will it will turn a light on for you. Right on. And then there was also a question from YouTube. Uh, works for me, mirrorless or DSLR? And that's that's a that's a good question that I'm curious mm. about too because I don't understand any of that. <laughs> well, all right. Well, I'll say this. Mirrorless is the future. That's the newest technology that's out there. So there's going to be a lot of investment on mirrorless cameras out there. Um, but what is a mirrorless camera? People are not going to have any clue. Uh, let me see here. This camera here, right here in the studio. This is a DSLR. And as I hold it up, you can see there's a mirror right there in the center of this uh, camera body and that mirror flips up and down you can hear it it flips up and down every time you click the shutter so when you hear the whole uh camera sound effect that ching ching -ch -ch that's what yeah. you hear is the mirror and the curtain opening up over the sensor to let light in and closing to stop letting light in and that happens huh. in you know it happens really really fast like a one two fiftieth of a second or even faster if depending on if you're shooting sports but that means you have slightly larger camera bodies because you have to make space for the mirror and the, the mechanics inside to, to make all of that stuff move okay the mirrorless side is taking that away and uh, uh, the mirrorless side is just taking that away and just leaving more so of the, the shutters uh, curtain open there in front of the, the sensor. So you don't get a lot of movement inside of it. So that means a lot less things can break over time. And that also means that the actual camera body can shrink down. And okay. that brings in more uh, technological advances where when you actually look through the camera, if I look through this DSLR's lens um, viewfinder, I'm getting a representation uh, optically from that mirror, basically bouncing back up to my viewfinder. You know, it, okay. it's, it's it's sort of weird science, if you will. On the mirrorless side, it gives you a digital view of what the sensor is seeing. So you're getting a lot more realistic data, realistic analysis of what your scene looks like. So the mirrorless makes it a lot easier for people to get started with photography because they can automatically tell if their image is overexposed, as in too bright, or okay. underexposed, if it's as in too dark. Uh, oh, wow. You can do that with the DSLR side, but it takes practice. You know, there's little uh, metering systems inside of DSLRs that when you're looking through, you can see your little HUD. And I know by now, based on the cameras that I've been using, I've been using camera, Canon cameras for years now. So I got a, a good feel for what Canon's going to do straight out the camera. I know they're going to shoot a little bit warm on the color temperature, and I know it's going to be 
slightly overexposed when I shoot it. So I know to look at that meter. And if that meter says I'm perfectly exposed, I'm not perfectly exposed. I'm overexposed just a little bit. So I know to dial it back just a oh, touch. That's interesting. You know, things like that. So yes, mirrorless, if you want to go with the future, um, it's going to cost you a little bit more now. You're going to get a smaller form factor. Um, but DSLR isn't going anywhere because you're still going to see uh, sports photographers using DSLR for faster performance. Hmm. Uh, lens options makes a difference. Uh, but I'm going to go mirrorless. I'm looking to get the latest Canon uh, EOS R5 as soon as it comes out. At least I hope to. Um, nice. Hopefully my wallet says so. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. So then I imagine, I imagine then like a cell phone camera would be mirrorless. That's correct. Right? Yeah. Cell okay. phone camera is mirrorless. Um, same as a point and shoot. <clears throat> okay. Excuse me. Um, and this, but the difference with cell phones is the smarts that are inside of it. Uh, it's like I said, it's a lot of computational photography that's happening now. Uh, with a camera body, you click the shutter and it snaps the image and the image processor does this thing that says, okay, here's your raw file or here's your JPEG. On the, the, the smartphone side of it, it's taking pictures before you even hit the button. It's analyzing your scene around you. You know, it's huh. analyzing the scene just in milliseconds of a time. And when you click that shutter or button yeah. <laughs> on your phone, it snaps the picture and it says, okay, I'm going to create your JPEG just like I would in any other camera. But I know that you're standing outside. It is 12 o'clock in the afternoon so the sun is really really harsh so i need to make adjustments to make that image not look so bright so it's going to do that and then it says you know what those shadows are probably going to be really dark because of where you are at 12 o'clock during the day and it's going to bring the shadows it does all of this in milliseconds wow so when you snap a photo your image is going to look pretty good on the smartphone because of the computational side and they're just trying to take all of the thinking and and the guesswork out of photography that most photographers are used to doing, holding up those camera bodies to the eyes and sliding the, 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 the meters around on the, on the camera bodies and things like that. Huh. That's cool. I think that's probably why Apple's images end up looking better, right? They probably put a lot more R&D into that computational side of things. Well, and, and that sort of depends. Apple's is really, really good. Um, you compare them to say like a Samsung or Pixel. Let's say Samsung first off. Samsung is one of the most popular brands out there around the world. And when you when you look at the two images from both of them, uh, Samsung tends to be a lot more saturated because they think, they assume people love super saturated color. They love to see the vibrant reds and the popping yellows and things like that. So when they snap it, the computational side of it does everything it needs to do from the exposure standpoint to make sure it's perfectly bright enough and not too dark. But then there's also that extra kick of, let me give just a little more pop to the color. Mm. Apple, on the other hand, they, they do everything except that boost of saturation. Apples tend to look a little, more, a little bit more muted on the color side. Huh. That's interesting. Um, huh. And then you were saying too, like how Canon, you know, how, um, you know, it's a little warmer or a little overexposed. I wonder why there isn't more of a, a standard for that kind of thing. Like why, why don't all cameras all take the same kind of pictures all at the same time? Yeah. Just, well, that's because not all developers are the same type of people and see things the same way, you know? Yeah. Uh, it, it, and you could say that about most things that are 
manufactured and developed today, even down to AI. People have different versions of AI on how they see things. You look yeah. at look at uh, Google with the Pixel and mm -hmm. Google's Pixel, which is actually what I use, a Pixel 4 XL. Um, camera standpoint, it's insane how good they are with the computational photography. It thinks about a lot of stuff and tends to get a lot of it right. Now, there are some times where it'll, the AI will goof up a little bit and move things around in the scene that, that didn't necessarily have to be moved. Mm -hmm. But, you know, like think about night sight and shooting at night and being able to do astrophotography with the phone. Yeah. Now, granted, that's a simulation. It's not true astrophotography, but it's pretty good. It's pretty close on how they try to go about it. They just, again, they've taken a bunch of different shots. They're also considering your geolocation at the time. Wow. Because, you know, because that, depending on where you are in the world, the Milky, the Milky Way is only going to be seen at a certain perspective, you know, and then it depends on the time of the year. The Milky Way sure. is only going to be seen, um, it'll be seen a little, little easier more so in the summer and early fall times of the year you know it's it's, it's wow. and google google knows that so oh, it puts that in the it puts all of that into the computation you know so like oh. right now if i were to go out at night say roughly 10 p.m here in northern california uh, and go out to my backyard and shoot up at the sky i would barely be able to see the milky way okay but if I waited another, what's this, June, if I wait maybe another month and a half, it'll be a little bit prominent if I went out there at the exact same time right now because of how the earth rotation and all of that stuff. Yeah. So, and Google knows that, you know, so Dang. all of that goes in to the computational photography. And here I thought it was just like a long, ex longer exposure. And that was mm -hmm. like the lot, that was it. That's really mind blowing. Is, well, and the thing is, if you set it up on, set it up on a tripod and it'll, and you tell it to go, it'll think about, oh, oh it looks like you want to do astro. You're outside. So let's activate night sight or whatever it's called. And it'll go through and make you wait 30 seconds for the exposure or even longer, but it's not holding a shutter open the way a DSLR or a mirrorless camera is doing. It's not holding it open for 30 seconds. It's just doing a little bit of math uh, to try to figure it out. Because oh, if you wow. do a 30 second shutter on a camera body, you're gonna see a big difference. You're gonna get a really, really bright image and the sky is literally just gonna light up. You know, wow. if you can do long exposures at night, it's a beautiful thing. I love it. That's, wow, wow, that's a... <laughs> I'm, I'm just I'm a little stunned to, to look at your face. I man. Yeah. Well, on the one hand, like I feel like maybe I shouldn't be, but like it's something I never considered before that like, uh, you know the, especially kind of when it comes to like the night sight stuff and these these mm -hmm. the ability to take these like incredible pictures in practically complete darkness. Mm -hmm. It didn't really hit. I did. I I kind of knew, but it didn't really realize. Like, wow, how it's how well, much. Well, you got to think. What what is Google's target demographic? They're trying to get people, and not just Google, any smartphone manufacturer. Their their target demographic is we want to to deal with the cool, fun people that just want to go out and snap photos and share them all around the world. Right. And to to be able to snap photos and share them all around the world it has to be a fast procedure you know right. people are not going to want to pull it out their pocket 
tap the, the app and wait on it to load then frame it up and make sure they're perfectly balanced and you know they don't they're not going to do that they just pull them out frame it for half a second hit the button boom and it's shared so yeah. google and all the other manufacturers they're trying to leverage that behavior and the way to leverage it is with artificial intelligence right that's wow Huh. I wonder, well, uh, and then we'll just, and then kind of applying that, that mindset to what I do know about like machine learning and AI. So the, they must be taking, um, you know, the, the hundreds of millions of photographs that have been taken and, and, and post-processed and things and, yep. and looking at really the, I guess what people would consider the most beautiful ones and then applying, mm -hmm. it's almost like applying a, a preset in Photoshop or something or Almost, Lightroom, mm -hmm. almost. Uh, ahead of time. Mm -hmm. uh, like as soon as you take the picture, that's, that's, wow, that's, that's a really and, cool and stuff. Google has got, and, and Google has gotten better with that. I don't know if you remember when the HDR plus mode became available on the, on the phones and it was on the original pixel. Mm -hmm. And I believe it was on the Nexus five Nexus. It was one of those last few Nexus phones. That's when okay. they brought out HDR plus and I turned it off because HDR stands for high dynamic range and mm -hmm. and there's pros and cons to that far as how I shoot. There's okay. a lot of times when I shoot a scene, personally, I want those shadows. I want those dark shadows in the scene. Someone that shoots in HDR, they're not going to want those dark shadows. They want to see a little bit of darkness there, but they also want to see the detail behind it. like. If, the, if a tree trunk is in a shadow, they want to see a little bit of the trunk's texture in that shadow. Sure. And I get that, but I turned it off because Google was a little aggressive with that HDR back then, but it also had to learn over time, over the years that, okay, we need to really fine tune this HDR algorithm. And it does a really good job now with properly lifting the shadows, but yet giving you a little bit of a sense of, of contrast throughout the image. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, <laughs> oh, that's pretty cool. We did have a, another uh, question about, um, well, uh, it was kind of, let's, well, I'm going to make it a two-part question uh, sure. for two different people. Um, Neomatrix uh, commented, said, would, would love to see an episode of, of uh, your hands-on, the camera show, he says, um, where, <laughs> where, where you uh, cover how to set up for live streaming, uh, the do's and don'ts of setting up a DSLR, and then uh -huh. to tag off of that, Ski OG asked what kind of, what type of camera you were using on the stream because it's a great <laughs> image and he wants that camera. We, we could very clearly use this information as well. Yeah. <laughs> well, I use a combination of that camera is the Canon M200. Um, I saw this camera at CES 2020 just a couple months ago. Oh, snap. And this thing, they showed it to me at their booth um, because they know I'm a Canon fan, so their PR folks are pretty cool with me. And they showed it to me and it's built pretty much for gamers because it is it is small it's only about three to four inches wide if you will okay um and it's mirrorless so it's it's not going to be a big body but it has uh an hdmi output on it now for oh. people using people using cameras as dsl uh, dslrs as webcams or whatever what they found the hard way was they plug in an hdmi out to put into their computer and they get all of the extra display on the screen that shows the right. shutter speed and stuff like that the difference between 
those cameras in this M200 is it offers what's called clean HDMI out. So whatever you plug in and, and see through the viewfinder, that's what's going to show up on the stream or on your, or as a visible webcam. So yeah, that's the Canon M200. And I also use like what I have here is an overhead cam. You don't see it. Um, actually, you probably could see it this way. Well, maybe not. It went, nope. went to sleep. <laughs> um, but that's a that's my Canon 6D Mark II. And I use Sparco Cam um, because it doesn't have clean HDMI. So I use a USB connection to my computer. And I bought an app called Sparco Cam that allows you to take those USB connections and utilize it as a web cam interface or if you're using Skype or if you're using oh, Zoom man. like we are or just wanting to live stream, it'll work perfectly fine you get much better image quality because you got bigger sensors and you got better lenses on these things okay and so are you using a capture card then for the the m m200 um yes okay. i um i'm not like most people out there to have their hands on a on a um cam uh, cam link from my right. elgato i don't have one of those <laughs> um but what i use is it's called a Roland. Thing is such a long name. Roland VR One HD. <laughs> this is a it's a uh, video switcher, and it's typically used oh. in larger production um, out there. So we inputs, I believe, wow. with three cameras and do uh, picture in picture and all of that fancy stuff that uh, that you would do on a production scene. And it's all HDMI input, um, and it's pretty good. But that's a little bit pricey. There are sure. options out there with the Black Magic folks. They have the ATEM. That's A-T-E-M, and they have the ATEM Mini, and they have the ATEM Pro. The ATEM Mini would be the route I would go, but you're not going to be able to find one. Right, yeah. It. <laughs> it seems all the, anything even vaguely live stream related is is uh, super out of stock. Like, yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. Unless you're in Europe, you can find a you can find an ATEM Mini over there. So if you have some European friends, you might want to hook them up. You know, yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. What about, uh, what about from a lighting standpoint? Because I feel like that's probably just as important. It is. And you can, I want to squash the myth of people thinking you have to go out and buy some really expensive lights. Uh, dude, I love me some me and I love my wallet just as much. So I'm not going to spend a gazillion dollars on lights. Um, these lights that I have here, they may be a hundred bucks or something like that, okay. but they're, but they're led and they're 5,600 K, um, daylight color temperature and they, and they work, they just flat out work and you can spend a little bit less and get something with like a, uh, CFL bulb in it and be okay. Just, just make sure that you have a proper color, color rated on it. Like 5,600 K is probably the way to go. Because uh, it'll look more natural on your camera. Uh, you, if you don't go 5600K, you have to change the white balance settings in your camera, or else people are going to look blue oh. <laughs> when you pull up on the screen. Interesting. You know? But yeah, you you can definitely take care of your light, and you don't have to spend a lot of dollars. Or if you have the advantage that I have, is there's a couple windows in here. Natural light is so. Uh, oh, natural light is the <laughs> best. It's the yeah. best. It comes through that window. It gets diffused. Like even look at Mr. Houston's face there. You see how he's got that little bit of a shadow on one side and then the other side is just softly <laughs> lit. That's all just window lighting, you know? It's absolutely beautiful. 
<laughs> you make me blush. Now, Mr. Eric, I don't know about you now. Yeah. <laughs> I do have like one of those uh, one of those tiny little uh, aperture LED. Aperture uh, makes some great space. lights. They make yeah. some great lights. Now these here. Now this is another little option. And this thing, I think I paid twenty bucks for it. it. Costs a little bit more now. The last time I looked, they're about thirty dollars now. But this is a Chinese brand, newer. Oh yeah, newer. Yeah, I've, I've I've seen a lot of photography related stuff from those guys. CN one twenty LED light. Uh, I believe it's rated at fifty six hundred K. Um, has bat a, a, a lithium ion battery pack on the back. It's rechargeable, and it costs next to nothing. If you want to mount it on top of your camera, you can because it's got a cold shoe mount, so I could slide it on the top of my camera like so. Or if you want to put it on a light stand, you can do that. Uh, I use these a lot for product photography because I can sit them off to the side somewhere that's not seen and not seen in the camera, and it'll cast just enough. Uh, key lighting onto the product you know just just a little bit of a kiss and it costs next to nothing and it's super portable you just throw it in your backpack i mean it's not as as um portable as the aperture line apertures are a little bit smaller and they tend to be a little bit brighter mm -hmm. uh but for 20 to 30 bucks man you can't beat this this that's a yeah. hundred that's a hundred dollars less than the aperture you know yeah. Oh, that's cool to know. And you, so you've you mentioned a few times fifty six hundred K as the I feel like that's a little warm, right? That that lends toward the, that's the, the orangey side. Yes, that's that's leaning more on the warmer side. Now, if you put up two different bulbs, one is a tungsten bulb and one is a daylight bulb. The daylight bulb is going to look really, really uh, bluish white. Okay. Even, though it's, even though it's warmer, it's going to look to your eye bluish white. The tungsten bulb is going to look orange and and warm, if you will. So don't don't go by the look of them. Go by the actual rating on the box. Um, but yeah, if you want to shoot more typical, I would go at 5600K because that's just a little bit more of a natural look. If you folks have watched the movie or television series Ozark. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm a big fan. Notice Ozark looks really, really cold. Yeah. Oh, that's that's the way they set the, the the color temperature of that, and is, and that's just to set the mood. And that's the same when it comes to lighting. You, the, you have the 5600K, or you have the tungsten lighting. You're going to get a certain effect from what your camera sees. Now, granted, Ozark's done in post, but I was just trying to. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. 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 That's I had <laughs> I had noticed that. Yeah. It's it's got um. It's like like a vague kind of grayish blue filter mm -hmm. almost right. over everything. Right. That's I've seen that done too in other shows for like flashback scenes or whatever. They'll, they'll gray mm -hmm. it out or, or kind of yeah, blue, it, it, they'll it, lean it toward that blue side like that. And it totally changes the mood um, for the viewer. It, it's, it's it's perfect. It's well executed on how they did it because that's such a dark television series. You know, it's yeah, not yeah. happy go lucky cheery. Right. You no, know, but it's and it, and it just works for them. Same for and I know this was controversial. Uh, Joker, the movie, uh, the way that was colored was to to give you a certain mood. And when you watch that movie, you can feel it huh. in a lot of the different scenes because there are some scenes where it's really really warm and really really cheery, and then the scenes where he's going through his depression side of things, you notice it gets dark. You notice yeah. it starts to get huh. blue. 
And every now and then you'll see like a blue um, tungsten, a, a blue light in the background, you know, just little cues like that really does sell it when it comes to your video and same for your photography. Wow. Um, so an, another question, uh, is sure. there a tool uh, that you use to measure lights that are not rated? I do not. Um, I could invest in those things, but I don't. I find this a lot faster for me to fire up the light, take a shot. I can pull it up in Lightroom and it tells me right then and there that's too warm or that's too cold. Okay. So much easier because those light meter things are not, they're not cheap. Right. Just, yeah, it, it's, it's not worth it for me. Uh, a lot of people use those and more power to you. I don't. Okay. Well, actually that, that, that kind of touches on something. So in Lightroom, um, mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure how to phrase the question I'm trying to, or the, but, um, man, I, I'm sorry. I, I, I was heading somewhere and I kind of lost it, but, um, good. I did, I did want to kind of touch on, on the software and, and sure. that sort of workflow. And I'm just, I'm having a hard time phrasing a question. So I suppose, um, maybe Eric, can you help me out with this a little, um, I'm I mean, an Adobe guy, if that yeah. helps. <laughs> I mean, I'm kind of curious, like, uh, yeah, I guess I have like, a. uh, almost a two-part question um mm -hmm. so you so kind of at the beginning of this you were talking about um how a lot of your content is targeted toward beginners like first of all i'm kind of curious like are you seeing that content like really surge right now like are you seeing more and more people kind of picking up that content um simply because of the fact that like i mean the same reason we were talking about you know hamlinks being sold out and people getting mm -hmm. into live streaming like are you seeing your content kind of correlating with that increase in um, everyone kind of being a content creator now? Well, it's, 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 it's a combination of that as well as we've had a little bit more air quotes, free time on our hands when we were dealing with the live to shelter in place orders. I know that's been sort of, uh, dialing back a little bit in certain areas, but there are a lot of places where they're still under some sort of shelter in place. And that means their time of just getting out to their normal day to day stuff has been limited. And when all of this stuff started, I actually had was did another talk and I mentioned, look, you're not driving to work. And at, let's just say your average commute time to the office going there was going to cost you 30 minutes of time. And then coming back from work, that's costing you another 30 minutes of time. So if you just work five days a week, you've just freed up five hours in your week so why not take that five hours and learn something yeah you know so i said take the time and go back and you i have you, you have no idea how many times i say i want to get into photography i want to get into photography and my response to them is stop wanting to just do it you know yeah. it's just it, it doesn't cost you anything to pick up the phone that you already have that you're responding to me <laughs> <laughs> You know, and just just start, you know, it's it's there. And now is the time to take advantage of that, you know, extra five hours in your week, which is an extra 20 hours in a month. You know, that's that's a lot of time, you know, take advantage of it. And right now we're starting to see some people, fortunately, take advantage of that and listening to hands on photography and going back to those very first episodes and trying to build up the skill and learn the ins and outs of photography. What do you see? Um, what do you see people's 
main hesitation, I guess, tend to be? Like, what is that thing that's holding them back from just going out there and doing it, you know? Um, the first one was always time. And the second one is a lot of people, I hate saying it this way, but it's a fact. Most people don't like rejection. They don't like to be told no. They don't know how to deal with that, nor do they like to be told that something that they put time and effort in to create was bad. Um, you know, content creators have to deal with that on a daily basis, whether you're a photographer, whether you're a painter, uh, a, a filmmaker, whatever, you're going to create something and people are going to absolutely just bleh, poo poo all over. They just won't <laughs> like it. And then there's yeah. going to be other day, other things that you create that they love and people got to understand you, this is part of the, the process. This is part of the, the, the life, the lifestyle is there's going to be some rejection and some negative vibes sent to you because everybody is not going to connect with that selfie. Everybody's not going to connect with that landscape scene, you know, and uh, you, you just got to get over that. Mm -hmm. If you're really, really into photography or any bit of content creation, even if it's just writing, I also used to write. Um, I still write from time to time um, and there are times when people won't read a thing that I say and there's times when people will read it and comment and reshare it and it just goes on about it by its way but if if they're not reading it that that happens it just it happens mm -hmm. yeah I, I feel like uh, I think there was a I think it was attributed to Steve Jobs that he was he was like quoted at, at telling engineers that there's a difference between your work is shit and you are shit. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> and, exactly. And just because maybe like your photograph doesn't look good or you're getting a lot of negative feedback, that doesn't mean you as a person are mm -hmm. bad, but like every, everybody sucks in the beginning. Like you got to start somewhere and, and you know, don't take it personal. It's mm -hmm. just like you got to work your way into being, your first, your first thousand pictures are never going to be as good as, like, say, yours or, or you know, Peter McKinnon or something like that. Right. It's like you got to – those guys, you and, and, and any other professional have done this how many hundreds of thousands of times, you know, so. Over it's, and I mean, over and over and over. You know, I tell people I shoot something every single day, uh, and it's, it's even easier – these last several years because smartphones have gotten even better so I, i'm not hesitant to shoot with my phone um so i shoot something every single day i don't care if it's just one thing i'm shooting it you know just because i need to continue to to exercise those muscles of framing up a shot and understanding what the light is doing at that particular time and understanding the story that i'm trying to tell um and and that's been something that I've just wanted to preach from episode one of the show is look, it's not about the megapixels. It's about the story, you know, just figure out how are you trying to tell that story? If we look back at some of the most iconic images of our time, most of them are technically not that good, technically, <laughs> you know? Um, and the one that always comes to my mind, and this is a, a very controversial, uh, uh, photograph, but it's also one of the most iconic and powerful. And it's uh, Iwo Jima when the uh, oh, the men are the... trying to put the flagpole up. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you look at that image. If you just put it up on your nice, beautiful 27-inch uh, uh, 
HD or 4K screen that I know y'all have, <laughs> you pull that image up, you're going to say, man, it's grainy. Man, that sky is blown out. Good grief. They're not all in focus. But right. You But when you let that image hits you right in the heart, it hits you right in the gut. It tells a story. That's what makes it a good image, not the megapixels. Yeah. I mean, and sometimes, sometimes even the that that I guess poor quality can can be, um, you know, something that that catches it, that makes it. Mm -hmm. you sometimes know. you can use that to your advantage as a as a stylizing it kind of standpoint. You know, yeah, just depends. It, it's it's art, and people are either going to resonate with it or they're not. Yeah. But it's up to you to figure out. All right, do I want to do this for for the love and the passion, or do I want to do this for the the likes don't write the likes don't <laughs> i'm curious like for you um i'm just kind of curious uh like where where do you tend to go to look for those stories like what what tends to resonate with you um when you're when you're going out there like you know some like there's some people that like they primarily do like landscape photography mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. like, what is what is your story my favorite has always been street photography but that's pretty much non-existent at this particular point in time. Sure. Um, but I will still go out and walk my neighborhood every day because I have to do my stupid cardio. Um, <laughs> and I always take my camera with me on my walk. So I'm walking through the neighborhood. I may catch a, uh, a, a big crow or something that just happens to be flying by and looking just right at the time of sunrise. Or uh, not too long ago, there was this blue jay that just flew into my my path and landed and perched on this mailbox but he didn't move he just stayed there perched he didn't fly away as i got closer and so i stopped and i took a photo of this bird and this bird looks pissed i mean he had a bad <laughs> morning you know but there's a but there's a story there and i and i remember post-processing that and just thinking why that bird didn't fly away you know normally they just sort of shoot themselves away when they see people coming but that bird that day was like nah dude this other cat got to the worm before i did and i'm hungry and <laughs> i'm still sitting over here waiting around you know so i for me my favorite would still be street photography but right now i just whatever grabs my attention i tend to to snap it whether it's the birds whether it's just the way the sunlight looks whether it's the way the steam is coming off my coffee as i'm you know making that in the mornings yeah i think to to further make your point um i was looking through some of your uh some of your previous work and there was one that like really resonated with me and it was because of the fact that the second i saw it my mind just exploded and told this whole story <laughs> in my head about what was happening there uh -huh. um, it was it was one of i think it was like a um it was a bail bond place and there was, oh, there was yeah. two bikes up in front and then there was the american flag Mm. Hang the back of the bail bomb. And I, yeah. I There's a whole that. lot to unpack there. That would be a whole separate conversation. But I remember but that, that vividly, brother. I remember that. I remember shooting that vividly. I shot that at night. And I'm walking. And that was another time as I'm walking the streets, uh, just doing photography at night, typically long exposures and things like that. And as I'm walking that particular street, that sign was just lit up. And I'm like, man, this, this street is totally dark, but this sign is just lit up. Why is this sign the only one that's lit up this time of, time of night? What is that saying about our society? You know what yeah. I'm saying? 
and yeah. it just it, it just struck me and i was like okay i need to capture this and then i saw the bicycles there and i'm like wow so the yeah. bicycles are left outside so this is something actively going on right now and it, yeah. it's uh yeah I, yeah. I appreciate you bringing that up because that's exactly what went through my mind when I shot it and I went and when I did the post-processing. My post-processing is pretty much based on how I felt at the time of clicking the shutter. You know, I don't post-process pretty much anything the same way at all. It's all based on how I felt when I clicked the sh shutter and I hope that mood sort of came through and then I want to say I even put a little bit of fog in that scene at the time too just because it just felt ugh. You know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know, I don't want to. I don't want to spend like a. I don't want to spend too much time on it or anything like that. But I, I did also want to bring up. Um, mm -hmm. You had recently. Uh, you had recently published that. Uh, I think you had called it like your stream of consciousness. Oh yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. and, I, and I also wanted to like thank you oh, for, yeah. uh, for posting that. Like that. <laughs> that kind of, I mean, that kind of broke me. Um, and, then, like, and then also, like, I don't know, it puts it put all of your photography in another um, another context, I guess. Mm -hmm. You talk specifically about, um, uh, you know, primarily going and doing street photography and stuff like that. And like, mm -hmm. you know, there's these beautiful cityscapes and stuff. And then what you don't think about is what's happening behind the camera mm -hmm. and, and your thought process, what's going on in your mind um while you're while you're out there and so yeah. it just provides this whole other layer and whole other context and oh man um, so mr Eric, thank you thank you for for checking that out and amplifying the message um yeah i recorded that a couple of weeks ago uh and i typically don't do stuff like that because uh, i just and i believe i mentioned it in that that i didn't necessarily think my voice was going to make a difference you know, I never really had a reason to believe it was going to make a difference because I'm in my 40s and I haven't seen a thing change yet. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's like, why even bring it up and, and just waste that energy? But I went ahead and did it anyway in, in hope that it could be something that gets amplified with people like you all talking about it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, as you mentioned in there, the, I mentioned some perspective of me being a photographer. Um, if you were to see some of the stuff around me, you'd see a lot of orange and black and Clemson Tiger stuff. I'm a big Clemson Tiger fan. And so a lot of my clothes, other than what I'm wearing today, this is my my own brand, Create and Dominate shirt. Okay. But most of the time you'd see me wearing something orange with a tiger paw or what have you. And yeah, it's because I like my team, but it was more so because I like to make sure I'm visible when I'm out and about doing my my photography just walking around because i'm 6'2 about 230 bald i look interesting i'll just say that and <laughs> and then you couple the couple that with the fact that i have a camera in my hand mm -hmm. it, it 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 sends off a certain vibe even though i'm i'm as friendly as anybody else out there to most people and uh i just wanted to be out there just shooting photography so i've been in the mindset for pretty much most of my life that if I'm out and about, make sure I'm visible. So I wear that orange so I can be seen a long way away and not looking like I'm just a creep walking around, yeah. sneaking around, trying yeah. to do some things like that. Because I've been in a couple of situations where it comes up and it's like, who, what are you doing here? And I'm like, taking a picture. Well, why? Well, 
because I'm a photographer. And I'm not oh, trying to hide, you know. It, you know, and and it's it is what it is, you know. Um, yeah. But I've had some positive experiences with it as well, you know, with the street photography. Um, social media has been great and has also been pretty bad for the photography industry because it's great because it allows people to to have access to it and be able to just create without thinking about it and without thinking about budget or anything like that. It's great for that and just growing the community. The negative side of it is the privacy concerns. A lot of people are more private conscious now, thank goodness, Mm -hmm. because of social media and being seen in a certain light. So when I'm out and about, they see a guy with a camera and a lens on it, especially if I'm using a long lens, I look shady to them and they're thinking, oh boy, I'm, you know, let me hide from this camera, if you will. Um, But I, purposely again wear that those bright colors so they know i'm out there and yes i do have a camera in my hand and i've gotten to the point where there's a lot of times in street photography your genuine self coming out showing that hey i just want to get the shot i just want i'm out here for the art i'm not trying to profit off of you people will pose for you you know i've had that several times i'm just doing my thing and they we lock eyeballs and I'll nod, they'll nod and I click and I go on about my business. Oh, that's cool. You know? And there's, you know, every now and then a woman, you know, is, is really t- tougher with women and I get it. Um, mm. I feel for the ladies. Um, but they'll nod at me and, and I typically will walk over to them and usually I have a business card with me and I'll say, hey, I'm Aunt Pruitt, I'm a photographer. I thought this was a beautiful scene with you in it. Um, you mind me taking your photograph? And a lot of times they'll say something along the lines of, sure, I don't mind, and just sort of stand there. But the bonus, some of them will say, sure, I don't mind, and they will pose, and they'll ask questions, and they'll get more curious about photography. So not only are they getting interested in me and my work, but they're getting interested in other photographers out there and start looking up other people, continuing to grow the community, you know? So I've always said people have a, I probably shouldn't curse, a you can bleep it out, right? A bullshit meter. <laughs> People have bullshit meters. Okay. Oh, sure. Yeah. And so if somebody walks up with a, a bunch of hamburgers that they just grilled up over there on the sidewalk, you, you got an idea that they, they just bullshitting you and kind of thing. But if someone walks up and just tells you another story that say, you know what? I'm doing some photography work, just a little project. I'm doing, I'm working on this. I want to feature that. They'll know if you're genuine and that bullshit meter goes down and it's like, okay, they're good to go. So they, they, they'll work with you. At least that's been my experience. That's, that's good to hear that there's been uh, good positive experiences about it. Cause yeah, I, I can imagine that, that sort of, I guess like icky feeling of seeing somebody just randomly taking photographs like, Oh, what's he doing with that? That's kind of mm-hmm. weird. Happens um, all the time. Yeah. <laughs> but like I said, I try to diffuse it. If there's eye contact, I typically try to make eye, t- eye contact on a subject. If, um, you know, if they catch my eye just because I want them to be comfortable and know, and then I don't take photos of children. Mm. I, I just won't do that anymore. Even though children make some awesome photographs because they're, they're just genuine and they're just being themselves in the scene and it really comes through. Um, but I try to shy away from that uh, unless they consent, you know. Sure. But yeah, just making eye contact and just being a human being 
they tend to just okay yeah he's cool sure Well, let's see. We're we're right just over our little hour here. Um, oh, jeez. I'm sorry. I speak no. so slowly. Me and my southern drawl. No, no. It's been great. <laughs> um, uh, man, I I know we could probably go for a little longer, but um, I'm trying to trying to stay stay strict to our to our uh, you know our, our time here. Um, is there, uh, Eric? Do you have any other questions or? I mean, it, like, I think if there were to if we were to like wrap it up um i would just be interested in for all those people that are that are starting off i mean i know we talked a little bit about like okay um just go out there and do it um just take that time do something every day um but maybe yeah like maybe maybe besides that like what's the one thing you would tell people that are starting off trying to get into photography right now just stop saying and start doing period that that's it i can't make it any simpler than that I, I get the emails, I get the DMs, I get the at replies and all of that. And they always say, hey, I'm thinking about starting XYZ. And right now it's time to stop thinking and start doing. Just 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 do it. Plan out plan out what you want and then do it. Is there a platform that you know of where um, somebody could post their pictures like somewhat anonymously? Like I, I would recommend. I personally would say, oh, just make up a, a random Instagram or something and just throw them out there. But is there? Do you know of anywhere like a website or something where you can just post some pictures for general feedback? Um, not really, because even the the, the websites that have photography groups there's some sort of registration process there. So you have to verify an email address or, or something. Yeah. Um, the best bet, and this is going to sound really bad because you can create a phony Instagram account, just like you said, and make it private and only invite certain people to view it. If you want people to critique it, um, or if you only want to, um, have me critique it, my email address for the show is hop at twit.tv and I get image uh, critique requests fairly often and I I don't show everybody's on the air or anything like that I only show them on the air if I have your written consent so yeah you know that that's another option too I thought that was cool yeah <laughs> All right on. Yeah, that sounds cool. Cause like I I can understand where people don't want like you know either their friends or family to to mm -hmm. critique or or be public attached to it. And so it's good to it's good to know that like you you kind of have an open door that way. That's really yeah, that's really I, nice of you. Well, that's the thing. It it was when I was starting out. I had my very select few of friends that actually gave a crap about me using a camera, and then the same was was with my family. And quite honestly, that's not necessarily the best way to learn because your family is probably just going to constantly give you high fives just to shut you up. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's not helping you grow. You know what I'm saying? So you, every now and then you need to have someone that, that don't know squat about you and then just you just show them the image and let them look at it. And they're going to give you the flat out honest truth most of the time. Yeah, I think a vast majority of people tend to confuse praise and feedback. <laughs> right. There's a difference. Critiques, different criticism is okay. It helps you yeah. learn. Just because they're criticizing, that doesn't mean they don't like it. It doesn't mean they don't uh, think it's a good image. It's just some things can be tweaked here and there, even if it comes down to just cropping. Yeah. 
All right. Well, okay. I think that's a that's a good place for us to to end our our talk here. Again, thank you, Ant, for for um, taking the time out of your day and joining us for this. Um, I've I had a lot of fun. It seems like you did too. Um, I did. I did. Thank you all so much for having me, gentlemen. This was this was a lot of fun. It was really fun just to see your face, Mr. Houston. Some of your reactions. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> it's it. Yeah, you really you did really highlight some stuff that I hadn't really um, like consciously considered before, and it was, it was really cool to to hear that from from a professional. It made my day. Thank you. Oh, and, <laughs> and, thank you, guys. Yeah, seriously, thank you, guys. And again, thank you uh, to the audience as well for joining us. And uh, we do this uh, sort of thing Wednesdays and Fridays. Wednesdays we do uh, industry experts like Ant here, uh, trying to get a little peek in behind their process and and kind of industry. Um, viewpoint and then on Fridays we have a internal look uh, we do we have a Q&A with our labs team to kind of get a little bit more of the hardware meets software look so yeah. and um, both both days Wednesdays and Fridays at 1 p.m. Pacific and uh, that uh, I think I hit all the right points there so again thanks Ant thanks Eric for, for Thank taking you, the gentlemen. time as well and 